Let's keep it right here for Monday with the mayor, joined by Mayor G.T. Bynum. Good morning, Mayor. Good morning. Good morning, Mayor. Good morning. We've been uh, talking this morning about the first of the three public meetings concerning those flock cameras, which I still think is an interesting name, of course. It's the name of the company that uh, is going to put these things up at least for a year, right? It's a year trial period, and you're all for it. That's right. Yeah, it's a a one-year trial period that uh, the Tulsa Police Department and then, of course, also the Tulsa County Sheriff's Office are participating in and uh, I've seen how these uh, these license plate readers in particular can be deployed uh, in other cities. Uh, Las Vegas, they have them there. I'm not sure if they use this particular vendor, but it's the same technology. And they recovered over $2 million in stolen vehicles in one year using mm-hmm. this technology. So we're, I'm, I'm strongly supportive of using more technology to make uh, better use of the force that we've got in the field in the Tulsa Police Department. And since we're talking technology, let's be clear that this is separate from the real-time crime information center proposal that you've been talking about as well. It is. I mean, this is happening regardless uh, for for a year, thanks to uh, the the company allowing us to try it out. Now, this uh, could be, if we establish a real-time information center in Tulsa, it could be a component of that. Uh, in combination with the types of cameras that we've talked about here where uh, folks manning that center can uh, identify crimes that are occurring in real time and deploy officers from a a knowledgeable position using video technology to respond to those crimes accurately and effectively. Mayor, you know, a lot of people are concerned that the flock cameras are going to be another version of Big Brother watching but people don't have to be concerned about that, right? These cameras will only be used if there's a crime? Well, uh, so that, I think it's really important to differentiate. So there's cameras like that that would be used in our real-time information center that are used to, to monitor a, a specific area. And then there are our, our license plate readers. And basically all those are doing, doing is searching for a known database of stolen vehicles uh and if one of those happens to drive through and it's your car uh you you definitely hope those cameras are up and can track them they can also be used after the fact if a crime occurs in an area uh, uh and you know that somebody a suspect may have driven to that area you can use that to identify what cars may have driven in the area, and that then helps narrow the scope of potential suspects. So, uh, you know, is one, you know, is there a desire to just be tracking normal people around town? No. I mean, that that's crazy and is in nowhere, uh, even in the thinking of this, the focus of this is to help recover stolen vehicles and then to follow up on leads when a crime occurs in a given area. Uh, you like to use the phrase force multiplier, and I kind of think <clears> of it as uh, these flock cameras are as if you hired more traffic patrol officers who are sitting on corners looking at license plates and running those plates. That is that is exactly right. Uh, uh, the only you're not having to take an officer out of the field and having them do that. You have a, a camera that can just sit there in any weather conditions and sit there 24-7 and do that work for you. Let's switch to the uh, topic of uh, the Tulsa race massacre and amends, whatever form those may take. 
Uh, when we talked last week, uh, City Council had just voted to pass the week before a non-binding resolution that kind of sets up the framework for uh, getting community input and having a community discussion about what those amends might look like, who would benefit from them, and, and the like. And what you told us uh, on this show last week was that you needed more time to go back and actually watch all of the city council arguments and discussion about this. And I presume talk to your buddy Phil Lakin about why he voted no. He was one of two no votes. Uh, you and Phil, it appears, split on this because you have signed this non-binding resolution. Why did you sign it? Oh, I, I don't think that we split on I don't know anybody who was opposed to a, a dialogue around this. I think the concern that Councillor Lakin and Councillor Fowler both had was that uh, th this proposal was presented to the council and then they were told, you got to vote today, you got to vote today. And, and they didn't have an opportunity to visit with others in the community that may have an interest in, in leading that dialogue and may have concerns about uh, the the group that Councillor Hall Harper brought forward to lead that dialogue. This is the group led and, by Greg Robinson, the former city council candidate, and uh, the I guess the administrator. I don't know what word to use of Standpipe Hill t strategies. That's correct. Yeah, and so uh, and Councillor Lakin and Councillor Fowler asked, "Well, hey, can we have just two weeks uh, to visit with people?" And we're not given that, and. Uh, I thought that was incredibly disappointing considering we're talking about having an open dialogue and literally right out of the gate, uh, you don't allow these two counselors to have a more open dialogue with people. So uh, I, I was definitely disappointed in that, but I had more time than Councillor Lakin and Councillor Fowler were given by their colleagues on the council. And so uh, I took several weeks to watch all of the council dialogue, to visit with people in the community. And there are a lot of concerns out there when you have Councillor Hall Harper saying ridiculous things about white power structures in Tulsa being opposed to dialogue, which is, uh, I think, an awful thing for any elected official in Tulsa to be saying. Uh, and there are concerns about Mr. Robinson uh, being really good at organizing people who share the same viewpoints he does, but not necessarily having any track record at bringing people of diverse views together and finding common ground and a way to move forward. But is that a reason for me to veto uh, a dialogue that the citizens of Tulsa are not paying for, is being paid for by the philanthropic community? Uh, no, it is not. And Mr. Robinson did say uh, in his meeting with the counselors that he pledged uh, to have an, an open dialogue and I'm going to choose to take him at his word, and hopefully uh, he he lives up to that word going through the process. So, uh, you know, I'm a big believer, as you know, uh, in dialogue. I don't think you find common ground without it. And the reality is this generation of Tulsans has committed to dialogue around race in a way that no previous generation in Tulsa has uh, and we've committed to trying to do right by the victims of the massacre, whether that's through the work that we've talked about on this show in Greenwood and Kirkpatrick Heights and the Evans FinTube site, uh, through the work that we're doing through the Resilient Tulsa Strategy, through the work that we're doing in the grave search. This generation of Tulsans is committed to doing better in a way that this city never has been before. And I think that continuing that dialogue, even if 
the council adoption of this resolution was really, I thought, at odds with the spirit that we would want that dialogue to be moving forward. Uh, I, I want to support that and, and allow that to move forward. Uh, one last question before I let you go. How, what's the timetable for this? How quickly can folks expect these community meetings to be stood up and then you know, some sort of decision or recommendation to be put forward? Everything I've heard is that this process should unfold here within the next uh, nine months or so. Mayor, so thank- by the end of this year. Mayor, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again next Monday. Thank you, Mayor. Hey, thank you. Tulsa Mayor G.T. Bynum.